0: So still going through Idaho, ran out of water, and I thought our uh, idea for refilling water on the go was too clever not to share. So basically I've got this little backpacking bladder in here and I'm pushing my arm against it and pinching it open so it'll fill our water bottle for for the road trip. Anywho, so ideas out there for anybody else who might be taking a long haul road trip that does not want to stop and pay for water constantly. Free hotel water!
1: everybody thanks for tuning in to another episode of friends stalking nerdy this is tim and with me all the way from portland maine we have the coolest member of the clergy you will ever find it's the reverend tracy how you doing
0: well it depends on who you ask if i'm the coolest member of the clergy i'm pretty sure there's some people who would uh, be willing to take you to court <laughs> on that one but uh you know it's it's been another wonderful adjustment period my partner just got back from a work trip uh, that got cut short due to somebody testing positive for the VIDI. So oh. we are technically self-quarantining right now. He got to self-plunge his nose at a Walgreens drive through which was horrible to even sit next to. I, I super hope I don't have to do it, basically. But yeah. we'll get those results back and we're just being good kids until we know. Like, yes or no. I, I don't think it's super likely. You know what I mean? It's not like they were like sharing drinks or going up to the coffee machine and cuddling. So I'm hoping it's a big, fat nothing.
1: Well, and if, if it is, I mean, you and the Mr. Reverend both have uh, your vaccines anyway. So at worst, you just get really sick. It's, you're not going to have the extreme side effects that uh, the unvaccinated people are dealing with.
0: Uh, the, the the jury's still out if it's Delta variant though, and that one unfortunately is what is kind of starting to permeate. And they didn't say which one it was, so we're just kind of you know gonna cross do fingers our best and, and yep, chill with life like we do. How has your week been going?
1: It has been good. Um, I think the big thing, um, especially for the show, is we got a new logo.
0: Yay! Yes, talk about that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I had, I'm, I, you know, I loved our uh, previous logo with the font and everything, but I think, um, you know, I, after, you know, hearing some people critique um, logos of podcasts, I think one common critique that I heard was that um, some logos don't give you personality. And what I wanted to do was kind of uh, have a logo that does kind of elicit some of that personality. Now, with our massive budget that we have here to run this show, um, we did have to go through the good folks a bit, Moji, in order to help with that process. So um yes. and- yeah if you're on your podcast player of choice when you're looking at the logo you're going to see the um, the characters the uh, the caricatures of myself the Reverend Tracy and Professor Aubrey that we have up there are from Bitmoji um, the plan is somewhere down the road um, when the, the the R&D budget on the show goes up just a little bit uh, then we can uh, maybe talk to uh, an, like an artist friend or an artist that has a reasonable choice and um, get some caricatures that you know that we can own long-term you know if the show does get bigger but i i do i do like it i mean it's it's uh, like any yeah i mean like anything with this show like this is this is essentially a talk show so the format can and should change over time and i think that you know goes for the logo as well but overall i'm really digging the logo
0: Yeah, I am too. And I've I've really enjoyed using Bitmoji. Uh, I use it in talking to my stepkids because, you know, it's kind of nice to turn yourself into a cartoon when you're trying to establish a bond with a child. It kind of like works in that little bit of a favor. But I've also just really liked using it even with friend updates on my Facebook. And I know I've even responded in the Facebook group and in Discord um, using Bitmoji. So fun fact, if you're a Bitmoji user and we're not like by any means sponsored by them, we just kind of, you know, like them and appreciate use of it, you know, unless they send us a cease and desist and then we will have a different conversation. But but if you do like it, by the way, you can get Gboard downloaded as an app if you have Android. And mm-hmm. you can actually use it in there so I can be in my texting and hit one of the little options. It'll bring up my Bitmoji. And then I can even search for the type of Bitmoji that I'm looking for. So it's, it's a neat one to use. I enjoy it a lot. So
1: yeah, it's same with iOS as well. Um, you do have uh, options on uh, the Apple devices to uh, have it installed, too. So um, I've definitely been enjoying it. Uh, the professor has been enjoying it as well. And we've done the same thing of uh, sending them back and uh, sending them back and forth uh, uh, to each other in text messages instead of actually talking. now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's a nice way because you know, text is just such a format that is known for miscommunication. So when you can give a little bit more character to what you're trying to say, it works. But I mean, I guess to say, until we get a cease and desist from Bitmoji, yeah. or if we get the budget to offer to pay. And then of course, if we do have any creative artist friends out there that just wouldn't mind that relationship of having like their name on it and getting a shout out from the show and getting maybe some attention to your artwork, feel free to hit us up. Um, but yeah, otherwise we'll probably, probably, I'd imagine we'd post amongst our folks. Like when we get to the point of, uh, being able to offer money for it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, just when it comes to the offer, like uh, you just mentioned about someone, you know, essentially gifting us the thing. I don't think of it as a gift. Like the deal I have with the guy who did our theme song, for instance, is I give him promotion for now, because obviously we're not making money. Um, the time, when the time comes that we do make money guess who's getting a phone call and guess who's guess is getting some money thrown his way that's uh christopher lazarick the guy who does the theme song so um the same thing would be in place for the person who did the logo of course that goes without saying so yeah if there is someone that would be kind enough to do that it'll be a scratch my back i'll scratch yours type of deal we'll promote your work we'll uh you know go out of our way to let the world know what kindness you've given this wonderful show
0: exactly. In spite of what happens and some things we're actually going to talk about later, artists especially on the small scale and not in the giant public arena tend to very much scratch each other's backs looking in the haunt community, you know. There's a lot of stuff I do for free, but as, you know, Fearlandia gets bigger and better and as it gets more successful, I also know that those dudes will totally set me up. Like they're not going to not appreciate the work that I put in like off yeah. calendar. So, like everything I do right now remotely that i'm I'm working on is not technically being you know paid for, but you know I, I know they'll hit me back later
1: yeah i mean that's that's the thing with uh art the arts um in general a lot of it is uh just networking and how do you network by helping your friends out you know and yeah. Imagine that.
0: <laughs> Imagine. You know, people can just do nice shit for each other and it's nice in the end. But, you know, like I said, I know we've got some stuff on the chopping block for the show today.
1: So. yeah, So let's dive into it. Uh, first of all, this week, we had a new movie debut, um, both in theaters and on HBO Max, The Suicide Squad. Are you familiar with that?
0: Um, yes. I heard of The Suicide Squad. I have not seen it, though.
1: I definitely recommend seeing it. Um, I think it would be up your alley. It's very dark in a lot of ways, but um, the writer and director, James Gunn, um, who you probably know more more, uh, from anything than uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, he's behind this as well, but he um, is channeling his trauma entertainment past because uh, he used to work with uh, Trauma Entertainment actually wrote the movie Tromeo and Juliet for them that was narrated by Lemmy from Motorhead so that you know makes it an instant classic um, and, and Troma is notorious for just being violent bloody guts everywhere and that's what this movie had this movie had some bizarre characters like I never thought I would see the day when polka dot man made it onto the big screen <laughs> polka dot man I,
0: I- I don't think I've heard of polka dot man, which is strange because I did really go through a phase where I loved polka dots for a while.
1: Yeah, he was a character that was big in the like the silver age of comics in the 50s. Uh, when in the height of the um comic book, the comic uh, book, uh, the comic code authority, um, the self uh, regulating um, uh, group that ran comic books, that's when he was around and didn't really, it wasn't popular even in the 50s. People thought they were goofy, but you know, what they did for the movie that was brilliant, they had the, the polka dot man, his mother was a scientist and like infected her kids with a strange like intergalactic sickness and um, like twice a day he has to expel these polka dots from his body but these polka dots kill anything that it touches
0: Okay, then. And this is a bad guy, right? Because wasn't Suicide Squad kind of the antagonist being the protagonist flip?
1: Yes, the whole premise behind Suicide Squad is that the leader of the group, uh, Task Force X, I think they call it, Amanda Waller, takes these hardened criminals, these just dirt bags, the absolute worst of the worst, and implants a bomb in their head and says that... If you go on this mission and are successful in that mission, you will get some time off your sentence. But if you do, if you accept this and you go out on that mission and you try and desert, we're going to blow you up. (laughs) You know, so it's a way to get it's it it was a government type of thing they they implied it is essentially you have them do um you have them do the dirty work of the government and then if they get caught or killed or whatever you can deny it uh type of uh type of deal um but also another great character in the movie king shark a, a shark that has legs and arms and walks, walks on the ground. King Shark was voiced by Sylvester Stallone.
0: Oh, how funny. Why does this sound familiar? Like, huh, I think that's not the first time I've heard Sylvester Stallone doing the shark person.
1: Uh, I mean, I mean, the ads have been pretty prevalent. Um, Like this is the first time King Shark has been in a live action uh, uh, thing. But uh, the King Shark character uh, has shown up in the cartoons before plenty of times. And of course, in the comics. Um, But just overall, it was crazy. It was loony. It was funny. and, And but the audiences didn't really care for it unfortunately um, when I saw it in theaters uh, I didn't expect a totally packed house by any means because of the world we live in today but not many people were there um, you know speculation is that the HBO Max thing kind of cannibalized some of that audience you know because if you already have an HBO Max subscription you don't have to pay extra for this like you would with uh, Disney with their Premier access and we've already talked last week about you know the problems with Premier access right. um, and, and you know the thing with a movie is that the the reason people it's it's that it becomes important for people the reason people want to go out and buy it is that when it starts when it's first release you do have that moment of you can only view this product in a theater if you're also getting it at home it's not a special you know so you know again we're in in that uh, we're in another situation where another movie that could have potentially have been big under under um, previous circumstances didn't quite hit um, having said that you know with James Gunn being who he is I, I and also the fact that HBO Max is having um, a spin-off television show called Peacemaker because there's a character in the movie called Peacemaker played by uh, WWE wrestler John Cena um, but he's going to have his own uh uh that that character is going to have his own uh uh show on hbo max so more than likely what i suspect is going to happen is that you know not every movie that, that comes out is is necessarily a huge hit at the box office sometimes there are movies that people catch up with you know in terms of finding it later on home video or in this case a streaming service and then really liking it and i think there will there will come a time to where you know this movie will get a proper sequel it's too good not to but for now unfortunately not many people um not many people have gone to see the movie but It leads into a bigger discussion that I wanted to talk about uh, in regards to a Guardian article uh, that came out that I had you read uh, in regards to uh, comic book creators and how they get screwed because we can talk about James Gunn being screwed over by uh, the movie being put on HBO Max as well as being in theaters and how that cannibalizes any, any particular money. But imagine being a comic book creator, you create one of these characters that go on to billion dollar movies, and your company gives you a $5,000 check and a handshake, and maybe you get a ticket to that movie. How would you feel?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think that would chat my ass pretty hard, Tim. Uh, no question there. That's a lot of creative like, energy that goes into creating these characters. Because reading through, there were some pretty big names that for me being not super in the Marvel universe right now, like, you know, you think of Thanos and most people know who the hell you're talking about. Well, somebody created that character. Somebody created some of the storyline with that character and it turns out they're not getting a lot of credit for it and when they are they're seeming to have to fight for it.
1: Yes and that's the shame here because especially with someone like uh, Thanos or whatever um you know it's, it's like later era stuff um but these companies uh it, there's an article in the Guardian these companies essentially have it in their contracts that they can control what Money the artist gets or not. Like uh, one uh, one conversation in the article was from Jerry Conway, uh, who was a co-creator of characters like the Punisher um, and uh, Ms. Marvel, who the um, Carol Danvers who went on to become Captain Marvel. And he talked about a character that um, he was given credit for by DC as creating for the longest time. Until DC used that character in one of the CW shows, and then and then decided that that character that they had previously said was an original character of his was was too derivative of Supergirl. (laughs) You know, it's it's it's. I mean, this is not anything new in comic book history. Um, I mean, I on on our website, I posted a a paper that I had to write uh, for my college class about uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, and you know, the creators of Superman famously signed over the rights to that character um for 130 dollars you know which which for all of the money that superman has made over the years just a drop in the bucket and and it's it's the problem here is this it's like these companies don't get that the biggest cheerleaders that they can get for these movies are the people that actually created these characters you know because in the case of jerry siegel and joe schuster in the 70s when they finally got the credit for creating superman um superman the movie was the first time they were publicly created as uh publicly credited as creating that comic um you know dc gave them both $30,000 Thirty thousand dollars a year, which drop in the bucket even at that time compared to what that you know, what that character has made for uh, Warner Brothers and DC. But they were happy with that, you know. And because of the notoriety, they were able to get additional work too. And you know, having having thirty thousand dollars a year was good for them. So I, it it is it, it it's. Another instance of just absolute corporate greed, when if you have an incentive based system, you know, people coming in, you know, when you sign up to work with DC, you know, you do realize that, you know, ultimately, they're going to own most everything, you know, so if you're going in, you do understand that. And, you know, it's like with any business, but it's like, it, it it just gets under my craw i guess that that once again we have you know these wonderful stories made by people who are putting in blo- literal blood sweat and tears in terms of creating them and they're not able to reap the benefits i mean i i've i've seen many 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 twitter twitter notifications about like comic book creators that need gofundmes for um you know like medical treatment like the guy who created rocket raccoon uh who was in the guardians of the galaxy movies one such person and like both of the guardians of the galaxy movies both made over a billion dollars so you can't tell me that disney couldn't you know easily fund his medical bills without breaking a sweat
0: yeah i mean it just seems like it's it's odd that these people are having to come up and fight for additional payouts which is something that you know jim starlin they had Quoted that very instance with Thanos where he was able to negotiate a bigger payout after arguing about like the whole underpayment thing. So there does seem to be some way to do it. You just have to really fight for it. Whereas I think what a lot of people would prefer to see in our creative world is the more willingness rather than, you know, people having to approach lawyers to then go and then get more money. It it kind of also goes for some of the stuff we talked about before with some of the Disney releases. Um, you know, where they're having to go and have these conversations after the fact to get things made up for because certain things don't look to pay the same yeah. when you have them renting them at home versus going to the box office. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a payment issue. It's just interesting that they're having to fight to even get credit. Is the article that you had sent talked about, you know, Roy Thomas only being able to get his name on the Disney Plus Loki credits, like after his agent, quote, made a fuss, end quote, about it. You know what I mean but you would think it would just be inherently obvious that the person who created the character and the storyline and some of the background like should at least be mentioned you know as long as that's not out, not out of some form of copyright like obviously whoever first thought of the character those people are starting to not be around anymore but people who are contributing to a current version of something should totally be referenced if that existence of that character so like In that same universe that that human helped create, if that is the character they are using, that person should be credited. They do the same thing with fan art and, you know, fan spinoffs. They don't take credit for that character. They tend to at least reference who created the character of the universe they're trying to spin off of.
1: Yes, it's uh, like in Hollywood. It, it, it is common for a production company to pay a writer to, you know, to write this script. The writer created that script. And, you know, if it's made into a movie or TV show, it's going to say written by this person, but they don't own it. You know, a cr- created by credit is different than actually owning it. And, and again, we are here where, you know, artists get that. And art- I think artists don't have a problem. They understand that, you know, in order to make it big, you do got to give and take and I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se but you know when you have one side that controls absolutely everything and and also to just just these that that treats these people that are creating these IPs that are making them billions of dollars and like there was one uh, article about uh, Ed Brubaker and Kent Bu- Kurt music the guys who created the Winter Soldier character not getting a ticket to see Captain America, the winter soldier and having to text message the guy who played Bucky Barnes in the movie, the winter soldier in order to get them into the movie. That is fucking shameful right there. Um, Because uh, again, you know, it's like, again, people get it, you know, if for a system like that, if, if you are signing away some rights, but these people would be your biggest cheerleaders. If these companies just treated them as the IP creation wells that they are, you know, because if one character is going to be in a movie that will get you a billion dollars, <laughs> why not throw the person who created that character a little extra money to create some more characters? I don't know.
0: Yeah, a lot of valid arguments. It's just, uh, you know, we don't have to fight for raises anymore, like whenever we work in our normal like day-to-day job, like our non-creative job. It just seems like there could be something possibly even entertaining some creative contracting where if something takes off based off of this character, there could be something in the plans rather than making them have to essentially lawyer up and, and fight for it. That's the thing that I think really feels icky about it yeah. is you you want these big, almost corporate level creators like Disney and et cetera, just because we talk about Disney a lot. So I don't mind throwing them under the bus. They, they know it too, because of pulling back that, them trying to sue that school story. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of know how they are. But yeah, it's sad because they make all this great content and we want to be good supporters of it, but it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth when you find out that writers, actors, and other supporting people have to basically fight when something does well to get that extra payout because Disney would pocket the rest of it. The the main production company would pocket the rest of it versus paying it out. And I guess there is some argument that they would then get to invest that into the next big movie. But there's a point where you get big enough, like Disney, where you have enough money, you have plenty of fucking money to foot your next movie. You should definitely be one of these companies that is paying your people more based upon the success and not making them fight for it. So I, I get why this would bother a lot of people. It bugs me because I want to feel good supporting places, but I also want to support places that treat their workers good. And that's got to extend to the creative outlets as well for me.
1: And it bugs me, too, because, yeah, I, I don't like, I mean, like when I read a Spider-Man comic, you know, in the back of my head, it does, you know, it, it you know, I am reminded that, you know, char- like even Stan Lee was, you know, screwed out of being able to get money for uh, his characters. Now, in his position, he didn't fight it because he was, you know, top of the food chain at Marvel for as long as he was. But, you know, when you have, uh, the, you know, th- th- these wonderful people that have made these great, great. Great stories these great characters these great pictures that you know are going to be with us for years and years and years you know um to hear continued stories about them being you know uh you know taken advantage of by uh these companies definitely hurts but having said that, that i don't think the the solution here is to not read comics you know like if you read less marvel or, or dc okay but comics is a medium it's you know the medium is not just superheroes and there are not just two companies there are plenty of other comic book companies out there and the best way to support a comic book creator whether it's artist or writer um or anchor letter or whatever you know is If you you find a name you like, do a Google search. More than likely, they probably have some independent uh, content out there that they get a lot more money on. And if you see them at a con like Rose City Comic Con coming to Portland here next month, um, if they are there, buy some of their merchandise. They will have pins. They will have trinkets, T-shirts, whatever. Just support your favorite artists. There are plenty of ways to do that um, that don't involve giving Disney or Warner Brothers money.
0: Exactly. I'm a big fan of, you know, kids learning how to read. It's an awfully good thing to put in front of them because it at least meets a little bit of the colors of the cartooniness. But, but there's enough of them out there that are simple. Like, you know, G.I. Joe, if you're still into that, is still <laughs> a comic that gets made. Um, and it's really, I've been to a few comic shops. So I really do kind of love the ones that I've been to. And I would say it's been enough of a, mm enough of a happening that it wouldn't just be coincidence but there does seem to be like kind of a good rating system you know it'll be in plastic if it's got content that's not meant for kids at all but it's amazing how much crossover there is there so if you want to support them there's a lot of ways especially if you look into their independent stuff and find like new characters to kind of introduce to the next
1: generation indeed indeed now you want to talk pokemon
0: Oh, yes, I do, because I I think we all know the Reverend Tracy likes to get zero Pokemon on. Um, So I I like to catch them all, or I try to. I'm actually not as active as a player as many, many out there. (laughs) But all you have to do is play the game at all, and you probably noticed something very dramatic happened within this last week or so, is Pokemon actually pulled back their extended distances that you could be from gyms and poke stops. Uh, it was something they put into place actually really quick when you know the pandemic was taking off, so just over a year ago uh, to help just you know encourage people to still go and do raids. It gave people something to do because it was outside. And as long as you could stay far, far away from each other, there was nothing wrong with continuing to play Pokemon. They also did things like Increase. uh, They actually created, I think, the remote raid pass during that. I'm I'm willing to be wrong about that because there's a lot of little features that I missed for a while because I did take a giant break from playing. But that seemed to be part of it, too. At the very least, there was no cap on them. So with this update... They stripped all that back, which is only crazy because the Delta variant is now becoming prevalent. So really we're kind of at the same point we were last year when these went into effect. Uh, That has upset an awful lot of people. Um, some for the right reasons, some for stupid reasons. You know, there are people who are out there that are concerned about the Delta variant and want to kind of be doing the same thing as they were doing last year um, on a civic duty level slash personal care level. There are others who are just whining because of portal, or I keep saying portal, a poke stop that they used to be able to hit from their couch. Now they have to walk down the street for I could give two fucks about those players. Like I, I've never had a, what they call a, a couch coke stop or a couch stop. And I just like, uh, I don't know, go, go for a walk around your neighborhood. If you've got one that close, just go outside. It's okay. The sun won't get you that quickly. So a lot of people are upset for varying reasons and are now kind of calling for a little bit of a protest on it. It's something that I am sort of taking part in at least a little bit. Uh, a lot of people, you know, there's streaks and stuff with playing every day, et cetera. So, a lot of people are encouraged to basically do the bare minimum. I personally am a little, you know, how I like to wear my tinfoil hat and try to figure out what would a corporate interest be in this? And uh, I think what my little brain landed on is I had decided that I think this is about foot traffic in featured stop stores. So, in addition to playing the minimum amount, I am also no longer going to be doing business at any place that's marked as a featured PokéStop. Um, I absolutely think it's ridiculous that they're pulling this right now. And then what actually came out a week ago was that Pokémon, in order to, it seems that it is in order to entice players back in, they're now trying to do things like release a bunch of legendaries from a special version of Pokemon, you know, the original game, I guess Sword and Shield was one of them, Um, trying to bait people out that way and have special events. And I don't know if it's working or not. I think it's an interesting thing to do. Personally, I'm just kind of surprised that they didn't just go back and and put the extended distance back out there. But yeah, I guess time will tell uh, why. Um, Some people are even saying that there were stops that they used to be able to hit from certain places. And it seems to actually be shorter than it was than in the before times too. So there's still things kind of playing out about this. I have noticed like a lot of like trying to get event things going for me, but I don't know. I've got a pretty strong stance, I think on this. And that is that I think it's absolute bullshit that they're doing things to seemingly try to force people outside when I just don't think we're there yet. I know COVID is really boring guys. It's been going on for a long time, but it's unfortunately not going to be done because we're bored and it's not going to be done because Businesses that have some agreement with Pokemon, you know, want people to come and put foot traffic in their stores. Like it's just not done yet. And I don't think baiting people with legendary Pokemon is going to be enough, but I'm going to keep my eye on it and see what else happens with it.
1: Yeah, because this is America after all, and th- there's a lot of people that will probably publicly be like, "I support this. I'm not gonna support Pokemon anymore until they change." And then on, you know, off Twitter, of course, they're like, "Oh shit! I gotta get the legendary. I gotta get the legendary." You know, yeah. um, it's it's you know with. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think companies should be going out of the way to continue to encourage uh, social distancing. I mean, look at the mess that is happening down in Texas and Florida right now. You know, I mean, both. Of, I mean, like th- there was literally uh, an event that Greg Abbott in Texas went to where he was fiddling while if you're using an actual fiddle but you know bringing up the whole fiddling while texas burned uh type type of thing going on and yeah it, it, companies it, it's like I, we we can't let this happen again we can't let the variants become too powerful you know it's like I'm not a medical expert but it it just seems to make the why fight the medical experts on this just be just to make sure some you know rich billionaires or trillion whatever are able to get just a little more money out of us you know we it would think about everything that that we have seen on the news about how selfish Utterly, utterly selfish and pathetic people can be, and and just it, the, the company has to do better. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully, people, uh, the the users of the product, will actually band together and actually follow through and not and uh, making a large enough dent to force this company to bring back those changes.
0: Right, and I mean, really, what stinks is to really make a company hear you is you have to make them pay in a financial way. It, it's stupid, but it really does seem to be the only way when they don't agree with you already, right? Like they didn't, you know, people didn't protest, say, hey, please put the distance extensions back in place and then Pokemon, oh, you've got a great point because Delta, and then put it back in place. They've clearly taken a stance of no, at least for now. And then you start to worry about, you know the heel digging uh, reaction. If they did want to change their mind if they feel like they can't, that would suck. But yeah, so to me, it just, uh, my experience is companies that decided no and to disagree with you aren't going to care unless they feel it financially. Mm -hmm. And that's where my logic brain took me of, you know, other ideas that people are doing is free play, where you don't put any money in, you only play off of gold coins that you get from gyms. Yeah, that's playing still, right? So is catching legendaries. And I'll tell you right now, I kind of don't give a shit about catching legendaries, unless for some reason you have to be in a group in order to attract them, in which case, I would then have a problem with that. Right. Like my whole thing with the, the game is, you know, you could still play it, but maybe try to figure out ways that you can actually get Pokemon to pay attention, which unfortunately with companies means hitting them in the wallet. That's why I'm saying I won't be interacting with any future PokeStops. Well, actually, I don't mind interacting with them. I will not be spending money in the stores, though. Uh, actually, yeah, go out and spin those featured stops just constantly and just don't spend money because I'm sure they track that for some reason of, oh, here's how many spins, but we didn't get new customers that day. But you know, I think you have to be creative to make companies pay attention, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Now, um Does that company, uh, it's been a long time since I played Pokemon Go, so I don't know. But I have to assume there's also um, uh, an element to it similar to like Clash of Clans to where if you watch this 30 second commercial, we'll give you like X amount of coins.
0: No, unfortunately, they actually don't do anything like that.
1: Well, that's good, Um, actually.
0: (laughs) Well, the way that I've uh, avoided spending money on there is I do Google Rewards Uh So part of my not giving them money is I won't be doing that anymore either. Um, I plan on giving them no real world money as it was anyway, but now I'm not even going to give them those credits because I know that's money that Google then pays to them. Um, I am going to free play myself and just put my Pokemon on some gyms and get gold that way, which I don't need because fortunately I just made it rain on my character because of (laughs) rewards points. But it so sucked because it happened like the day before this came out. Right. And I just bought a shit ton of gold and I was like, ah, oh, fucker. But uh, anyway, so just going forward, I'm not. Um, but that was, I guess, kind of my ways of thinking about showing that I don't like this. I'm still going to play the game, right? Like it's something to do. It just, it really stinks from being so proud of them as a company last year for being one of the first ones to be like, hey, people need something to do. Let's make, you know this concept come to them where they can fight and do things from their couches. this game was not intended for that. And now it's like they just made a few more ways to interact with the game and have now like kind of taken that spirit back out of it where they seem to actually give a shit about people. So I guess that's, they're going to be maybe the end of my soapbox on it so I don't get too redundant, but I'm disappointed. Super, super disappointed in Niantic and Pokemon together.
1: Well, speaking of disappointed, word has come out that Sony has narrowed down their list of contenders for the new host of Jeopardy.
0: Ooh, who's it down to now? I've seen a lot of, you know, oh, so-and-so host this time, because is that what they did? Was they kind of tested it out? Because I think they've done that with a few shows. In the yeah, past
1: two. yeah, since um, like with uh, Alex Trebek, his last round of shows that he filmed ended in December of last year. So um, since then, it has been uh, guest hosts auditioning for the role. Um, one of the most popular ones, uh, at least among the Twitter sphere, uh, was LeVar Burton. Um, famous for Roots, for Star Trek The Next Generation For Reading Rainbow, of course um, Sentimental favorite for, you know, my, everybody I mean, myself, You everybody would want to see him up there But word is coming out that executive producer of jeopardy mike richards is in contention to get that job and you're like huh <laughs> you know?
0: who who is that person even like i thought they would want to go with uh somebody who's known didn't they also have the real life astrophysicist lady she plays on um Big Bang? yeah thank yeah. you Big Bang. My, wasn't she also one of the ones in the running i thought
1: she okay, was yeah,
0: so that does feel weird to try to give it to somebody who's like not okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah
1: the, yeah, the impression essentially uh, when, when this article came out that people got was that you had the producers of Jeopardy um, you know put out this public casting call for, um, for you know new potential host and of course we got a cat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but right across the screen it's a shame yeah. we don't do the video
1: anymore yeah that was Sherman but um it, the, the impression that it gave was that they auditioned all these people only to say well I guess the only person that can take the job is me which is not the case though um, you know I, I have read up and it looks like um, the official person making the, the decision is head of Sony entertainment so it's not it, you know thankfully it is not a situation of you know the you know this person doing it's in, in a lot of ways it's kind of like Con- like when Conan O'Brien got uh, the late night uh, job in uh, the early 90s because uh, there were a bunch of big names at the time that auditioned for that role and then Lauren Michaels just said hey this writer who used to work on saturday night live for me and works on the simpsons now and who i can get for really really cheap let's get him (laughs) gosh
0: oh man i wonder if this was like a person you know he had dreams one day of, of being a star and and tried his damnedest but only ever gotten to the administrative portion and he just knew one day i will work my way up and i will insist on hosting a show and then it doesn't work because, you know, come on, Sony's not going to pick a nobody. They, they want to pick somebody who you're going to tune into. It, it seems far more likely to be, you know, my, I always feel like I'm going to fuck up her name anytime I try to say it.
1: Mayan Bialik?
0: Thank you. Mayan Bialik? Mayan. thank you. Mayan Bialik or, you know, the person from reading Rainbow because that also tickles a nostalgia bone, you know? So I, I'm not worried about it, but it does seem kind of slapstick that he tried to be like, well, I guess I could do it.
1: But well, again, remember, though, it's, it's you know, it's it, it was an audition process. And I guess he, he was one of the guys that they let do it, you know. So I did want to, you know, clarify that it wasn't a situation to where the guy that they're potentially giving the job to is part of the search. He was not. Right. Um But, you know, the couple of reactions that I've seen are definitely uh, something we can talk about here. Like, one, people did, some people were concerned that, you know, when you have a name as big as LeVar Burton interested in it, a black man, too, on top of that, why didn't you go to him? Is there something racist going on here? And you were going to say something.
0: Oh, I'm just uh, also saying, couldn't you say the same about a scientist woman who also would like the job, want to talk about the female being overqualified and getting passed for the the dude applicant? Yeah. And there's that factor too. I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't read anything. I just wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a little bit of question there because I I don't want to assume the person is a, a white dude. But I kind of get a weird feeling that the oh, person my- is a your white dude, right? Oh, he is, he
1: is, he is. Yes. Oh,
0: okay. So see, like that's that's where it's like passing for anything like that right now especially no I don't think that would fly that's where it's like I I don't think Sony is going to pick him
1: well that's another thing too because after word came out that he um, is the front runner for the job um, people started digging a little bit on his history now about 10 years ago he was a producer on the Price is Right and one of the um, female co-host on that show ended up suing the Price is Right people um, because she claims that, um, among other things, that this person, uh, Mike uh, Mike Richards, who is in contention for the Jeopardy! job, when he found out that she was pregnant with twins, after she gave birth, she was working a lot less and then ultimately was fired from the show. And that he uh, potentially may have made some negative comments about her being pregnant as well.
0: Oh my, a tale as old as time.
1: Yeah. um, And it's uh, because I mean, the thing to keep in mind with game shows is like, on the one hand, like, I I, I guess I can see it kind of sucking, you know, when someone says, Hey, I'm going to be out, you know, for hospital leave, medical leave for X amount of time. I, on the one, and I I think you with your haunt experience will kind of get the feeling of, Damn it. I wish I had access to that person, but you get it. Medical stuff happens, (laughs) you know, but. Do you know, it's just with an allegation like this, especially if the guy gets the job over LeVar Burton, you know, it's just like LeVar Burton with his reputation at this point, you know, it's just like uh, he should have gotten it. I, I, but I think more than anything, um, what what Sony was looking at more than anything was probably age because LeVar Burton, 64 years old. Mike Richards, he's one year older than me. He's forty-five, you know. And you know, at best, with Levar Burton, if you hired him, you'd get maybe twenty years, you know. Um, but but that's pushing it, you know. With with Mike Richards, theoretically being younger, you could probably get a lot more out of him. And also that being that Mike Richards is not a big name compared to Levar Burton you could probably pay him a lot, lot less. Now, it, Now, um, touching back on the racist aspect, do I think Sony has made an edict that we will not hire a black man? Of course not, but... Institutionalized racism, being what it is, a lot of times people are making d- these decisions because you know, I, how is that going to play in Middle America? You know, or is is Nebraska going to like a black man as host of Jeopardy? These are questions that are asked in Hollywood boardrooms. You know, it's th- it's that type of institutionalized racism that I think should be touched upon because, like, uh, to me, it's like, why couldn't they have done something like hire them both? and say, LeVar, you get Monday through Thursday, Mike you get Fridays. And but but th- 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 laugh but Johnny Carson did that for years. Um the news when Tom Brokaw was you know nearing the end of his time Brian Williams when he was uh you know going to replace him as an anchor would essentially do the same thing. Tom would work for 3 or 4 days out of the week, Brian would work the rest and if Tom was sick, guess who's taken over? You know, that type of deal. So why not build that relationship where essentially you use Lavar Burton to kind of rub some of his good, good juju on this mike richards guy <laughs> you know with as sentimental a favorite as lavar burton is going to be now I, at the end of the day i wasn't a big jeopardy watcher anyway so even though i really would love to see lavar burton get that role because i think it would be perfect for it I, admittedly it's not like i'm gonna be i would be watching every single day either but It's just disappointing and it kind of shows Hollywood is, for all the good it can do, it's still very hard for change to happen in Hollywood because it is also a conservative town in a lot of ways too.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, what I still find interesting is we mentioned uh, Mayim, but... Why is she not even being considered as another role? Like I can understand you had a fair point about, you know, not wanting to go with somebody who's too old. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, that even stacks just more likely to something to happen so that you are abruptly no longer part of the show. I mean, that's, that is a risk with hiring somebody who's older. Um, but yeah, like I I would honestly love to see almost what you were talking about, where if they're going to share it, share it, but why would it need to go to Mike to be shared? If Mayim still wants her name in the running, why don't we use this as an opportunity to still get viewership? probably a little bit of nostalgia tug and then at the same time we can test out if we can actually have a very intelligent female person take over one of these shows because I don't think that's happened yet I I don't think any of the classic shows have been taken over by a female that's what had caught my attention when she was even auditioning for it
1: there have not been many. I know like the weakest link, um, the British version and the early American version did have um, a, a woman as the host. Um, I know Jean Lynch and Ellen DeGeneres have, uh, so, so it re- it's relatively recently within the past 20 years uh, yeah. that, that but, but, pri-
0: but not a big takeover is something as classic as like Jeopardy or the price is right. Like no, stuff that no, you no, no. watch. That's what I'm saying. Like, Maybe the marquee it could names. Be time for that. Exactly, the big marquee names. Like, we could totally use this to test out that concept. Sony would have, you know, our Reading Rainbow. What was his name one more time?
1: Uh, LeVar Burton or Mike Richards?
0: Le- LeVar Burton. We would have LeVar yeah. Burton, and that's going to bring in a totally other, like, demographic that might not have even been watching Jeopardy just because they're going to go for nostalgia grab. And then you can also bring in possibly more demographic by having my Miam in there every now and then. And maybe they can test that out because there's that question too, is are we going to get so many viewers turned off because, hey, maybe a lot of the demographic of Jeopardy are the more conservative people and that could very much be why those questions are still being asked in the boardroom not even specific to hollywood still having some of these old ideals but them being very aware of who watches these shows would have to play into that too so it could be a weird secondary effect of them not wanting to lose that traditional viewership they had for a specific show
1: And as a business, that is something you do want to look for. So that's not something that, you know, me as someone who does not work in the entertainment industry should dismiss out of hand. That is a very legitimate thing to consider. Um, Having said that, um, there have also been, that argument has also been done for like superhero movies that are led by women and, um, or led by minorities. They've made that argument in the past that women can't lead a superhero movie captain marvel kind of showed them different wonder woman showed them different um you know black people can't be in a super can't be the main character in a superhero movie black panther come on you know it's 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 the audience it's the, the history has shown that, you know, when you do take a chance on something like this, if it is good and Jeopardy is good, you have a better chance of opening, um, opening the, the doors to getting more people to test out your product than, than you did before, because yeah, th- yeah there were, uh, there have been people on Twitter that I have read now that, again, not a scientific study, not, you know, I don't know these people personally, but there have been people that, um, identify as African-American that I've read on, on Twitter, that said that they were really excited about LeVar Burton being a part of that show, and that it could be uh, a big thing that 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 could be an open door to the African American community. And one thing too about you mentioned Mayim Bialik, another person that auditioned for the role, Katie Couric. Do you know Katie she got uh...
0: Couric, God, I didn't know she. I mean, because again, I don't follow this stuff to a T. I think Mayim came up because yeah, I, I am kind of a little bit of a fan of her, not super fangirl, following her around, but. I think she has the chops to handle you know hosting a show because that is different than doing something scripted but Mm -hmm. I've seen her unscripted she actually uh showed up randomly on MasterChef Junior and came on for something there so she does have like a little bit of that you know background to do that. that that is funny about Katie Couric but that again would how old is Katie Couric
1: um, I, she would probably be comparable in age to uh, Lavar Burton. I would have to think because like, yeah, her, yeah. I mean, maybe she's in her fifties, uh, not that old, because like she first hit big in the 90, early nineties uh, or the nineties primarily. And so that would be in my twenties. I'd have to assume she was in her thirties at that. So yeah, I would say she's probably in her fifties or sixties, which, you know, again, she's a bigger name than my I like why wasn't she ever in any real serious contention as well? You know, it's, it's just like, I, it it would be interesting i guess to find out what the, what they were really looking for um maybe too maybe the consideration they want is that they don't want a name that's going to have other connotation the other baggage that they bring with it as well maybe they want somebody that like like when they cast for superman for instance they didn't want robert redford to be superman because people would say that's robert redford you know they wanted somebody unknown to say that's Superman so in this case maybe they're looking for that unknown name so they can just say that's just the host of Jeopardy not hey Jordi LaForge is hosting Jeopardy you know (laughs) or Blossom is hosting Jeopardy
0: you know I mean I can kind of see that but Jeopardy kind of seems like one of those shows that because we knew the host for so long like You'd almost want a host you feel like you know already to take it over. But there's basically who fucking knows what they're thinking. I also find it incredibly interesting that no women came to the top of the bill. And if that possibly has anything to do with Jeopardy, maybe having a more conservative
1: viewership. Yeah. Speaking of conservatives... <laughs> we uh, <laughs> still have uh, we still have a conservative person as the head of the United States Postal Service. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. So there is an update a little bit to some of the USPS shenanigans, controversy, whatever the fuck you want to call it this year. Because if we go back into the way back machine of last year, August of 2020, there was a lot of talk about DeJoy pulling back on a plethora of cost saving measures as Postmaster General, because if you didn't know who that was. You do now. That's the Postmaster General. They make a lot of big decisions over the government entity that is united states postal service Um, one of those things that caught a lot of flack and attention was the removal of mail sorting machines now back in the way back machine this was people being concerned about mail-in voting which was under a lot of attack at the time as we were spinning up to the election that we knew the orange toddler wasn't going to win but anyway they scattered it about and they took a lot of machines from around 49 states And, you know, the thing that really got people's attention about this, just to kind of refresh people that don't remember, because I went to refresh myself today, is while sorting machines are regularly decommissioned in a given year, the alarm was caused by how many more were taken out than usual. And to give the perspective here, in 2018, it was 125 machines. In 2019, it was 186. And in 2020, it was 671 machines they took. And then the other part of that was there was a lot of question of, well, wait, is this like actually pulling and repairing and replacing, which was something that a lot of people wanted to imply was going on. But it was actually Pelosi who spoke out saying DeJoy, quote, frankly admitted that he had no intention of replacing the sorting machines, blue mailboxes and other key mail infrastructure that had been removed. And now we come to current, and it appears there, you know, I will admit that this is a little bit of my tinfoil hat, but there does appear to be that DeJoy maybe had more long-term goals going on. Um, so I was reading a Forbes article that came out, and I will definitely be sharing this, uh, where it's talking about... Essentially, what happened is they've decided to give a one hundred and twenty million dollar contract to a company called XPO Logistics. And the thing that's important to know about XPO, XPO Logistics is that DeJoy used to work there and he does still have ties with that company. That basically means their success equals money in his pocket it's a little bit removed. It sounds like he might own some of the buildings or something like he's not getting direct payouts, which is still kind of what feels a little bit shady to me. Um, So what's interesting is, is they're putting all of this stuff up and still, you know, uh, I guess, There's a there's like mail slowdowns and things going on, which also kind of helps make the argument of why we, quote unquote, need to move this to something private. So it does seem really sketchy when you realize just last year how many of the sorting machines have been taken. And now they're trying to reflect these numbers as if it is something that is just a systemic problem with the United States Postal Service, when it really kind of seems like they're having things taken and not replaced. And it looks like possibly it is with the long term goal of replacing it by outsourcing to another private entity, which we know that is the good old Team Red's favorite thing to do. And a lot of actual legitimate Republicans, too. They have their arguments on some of this. This is one I don't agree with, though. Um, There was a lot of reason that we decided we needed the United States Postal Service. Otherwise, they wouldn't have created it. Uh, I remember one thing just to put it out there that's, you know, worth keeping an eye on this and and vote for these officials. This is an elected position. Um, So keep an eye, you know, on who's going to be in there. It would be super nice if we can make some shifts and somehow get rid of DeJoy. Or, you know, keep an eye on what's able to be voted on locally. I just wanted to put it out there that I think it would be actually a really bad thing and kind of a disservice if we wound up losing the United States Postal Service. And I think outsourcing the sorting is kind of a red flag for that.
1: Uh yeah, I mean and, and for anybody that may think um, you know, all government bureaucracy is bad and that you know privatization is a good thing. I want you to go to a drugstore, buy a a postcard for your grandmother. When you buy that postcard, write her a nice message, put it in the envelope, then go to UPS and try to mail that to her, (laughs) you know, get the price on that because you're looking at maybe 15 bucks. Now, walk to your post office and try to mail that under a dollar. You're going to be able to mail that to her. If the post office goes away, or if the what, or if the work that the post office does is severely drawn back to give to private interest, no longer are we going to have the ability to to you know cheaply mail things uh, you know across the country or across the world. And think about all of the Etsy businesses, all of the eBay businesses that are going to be tanked. You know, because the, like they've, uh, he's already raised uh, like uh, the price of stamps. I think they're close to like 50 cents now or, or something like that.
0: Oh, They might be more than that. Because I know the whole forever stamp. I mean, it's been going up over time, which does make sense that it would go up some. I know I actually just went and looked it up. Send a postcard is a whopping 36 cents. Point yeah. three six. First class uh, flat mail, which is your standard envelope is one dollar. So it sounds like it might be up to a dollar, but that's just a quick little Google search over here on the side because I knew postcards were crazy cheap to send through yeah. USPS.
1: So yeah, just not through, uh, you know, the not through UPS or excuse me FedEx or anything like that um and one thing uh too that uh people may not realize is that um Congress essentially shot the USPS in the foot because um and I wish I had done the research on this but it was um they they put it to where the USPS could not run a deficit or something like that and because of that that once Congress did that it essentially started the downhill spiral that we are in today with 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 the service because you know they're, they're a government entity. They they shouldn't uh, for them to work properly. They shouldn't have to worry about a profit. That doesn't mean there shouldn't be oversight to make sure that there's not waste. That is a smart thing to do. But you, you know, just think about how many things would be just stopped or or severely hurt. Like like um, one thing I heard that you can do in the mail is like mail chickens. If you're a farmer and you can mail things like chickens through the mail, but that price goes from like cost effective to spending five hundred th- or a thousand dollars or however much money UPS or FedEx would charge for that. You know, um, th- there are plenty of things that the post office says that, that most people don't know about that, that if we could continue to cut funding for them or to make it private, is it just going to go away and hurt this country in so many ways.
0: Yeah. And by the way, if you guys don't know some of the awesome things you can do through the post office that will probably disappear immediately if they disappear, um, you can send flat rate boxes. Uh, I mean, granted, it sucks when there is a pre-planned, quote unquote, strategic slowdown, which is actually something uh, that a few of the Biden appointed governors like, actively criticized to joy about during this meeting that happened this last week um, mm. was this 10 year strategic plan for the agency and its measures that would allow for slowdown of some first class mail delivery so it's really easy to convince a country that you guys need to maybe consider outsourcing parts of it when you do things like Get rid of sorting machines and then plan for slowdowns, especially like why are you planning for slowdowns as part of your argument to this whole thing was that people aren't mailing things out as much. Well, I don't know. I, I think we are like there's some things that have gone down, but it also seem to be in correlation, like of some issues that seem to have come maybe from places not having the sorting machines. So I I don't fully understand how any of this came to be in the first place. There is a lot of attention to it right now. It's a story I plan on following some more. Um, I know I felt the pain of some of the slowness of these slowdowns. And what stinks is they don't like come out to be very clear that there are planned slowdowns. They don't seem to increase like the ETA, the package getting somewhere. Um, But yeah, so ways you could support, I don't know, ship stuff. Uh, They've got flat rate boxes. I think it's like really about 22 bucks wherever you are. And Uh it can be as heavy as you want it, by the way. Um, And it's, they've got like three different sizes and stuff. Another thing you can do if you're moving and you would like to do something at a, a less expensive rate, that's how the Mr. Reverend and I got our books across the country because it was the same media format. You could do something called media mail. Uh-huh. And that is insanely cheap. That is stuff you we couldn't find anywhere else that actually helped us move. So yeah, it, it's little things like that that you can do to help support the post office. I mean, have fun, send some postcards to people. Like, come on, it's kind of a weird time again anyway. So maybe we <laughs> can go back to doing that again. Um, you can even like color some of them and send stuff. I don't know. I'm a little bit nerdy like that. And uh, I guess I'm nerding out about the post office a little bit right now, which is kind of the point. <laughs>
1: More than anything, um, you know, as we've learned with a lot of stuff in this country, keep the politicians' feet to the fire. This is not something that 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 should be privatized in any way, shape, or form. Doesn't mean there shouldn't be management and to make sure that it's properly run, to make sure that there's no unnecessary waste. But if the post office were to go private, or or even just a portion private, we're going to be losing out on a lot. Oh, and, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, really the biggest thing we would lose if the United States Postal Postal Service really did disappear. And part of what came up last year when they started talking about some of these things is the Postal Service is the only one that can kind of verify mail at the level um, that you would need for, say, submitting a mail-in ballot. So it's if your big tinfoil hat is, how are they trying to do my voter suppression, then this topic might appeal to you to follow as well. I think it's one of those small ones that gets kind of like forgotten that the post office actually does help people vote too.
1: Yes, very much so. So definitely keep an eye on that um, because yeah, if we if we don't, if we just you know think it'll be okay, it's not going to be okay. <laughs> you know, we got yeah. some bad we got some bad people that are looking to do some very very bad things to this country for their own personal gain, and um, the next few years are going to be interesting. To put yeah. it mildly.
0: I love that his whole thing is like you know. I don't have any like to joy, you know, sayings like, well, you know, we chose this person through the normal bidding process and I had no say. And another concept I just kind of wanted to bat off of you is like, I don't know, people, maybe if somebody in the government can benefit financially from a company being in the bidding for one of these things, that could maybe exclude that company from being in the bidding for some of these things. Because whether or not he has say in it or not, it's still gonna leave a bad taste in people's mouth that a politician or a publicly appointed person is going to make money off of a service that's being taken away from a demographic who is of lower income that uses it more often. So yeah, I, I think it's a little bit stanky and I'm going to follow this stinky cheese and see how bad it smells later.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, someone has to, someone has to. Now, um, before we wrap things up, I think you wanted to talk about cortisol management.
0: We all know friends of me and friends of me through friends talking nerdy here knows I am a huge nerd for kind of working with my own little brain in a sense um, on cortisol management. And that is a lot of how I manage my anxiety, my CPTSD and depressive type symptoms. Uh And I wanted to throw out there that I'm starting a new supplement. So I might mention it from time to time. Um, I am a huge nerd when I get into this stuff and I like reading things like double blind studies where they tested it properly against a placebo effect. (laughs) So what was really cool to read about this supplement called ashwagandha which if you've heard of it, I think it's actually kind of going through what I call the Dr. Oz effect right now, which is somebody said it's cool and somebody said it's good for you, so we're going to throw it in everything. We just saw this happen with turmeric and most famously was the acai berry thing, which legitimately was Dr. Oz and Oprah. So that's where that term came from for me. Mm -hmm. But um, it's been a little bit in everything and I'd heard about it before, so it did make me curious. I was able to find that double blind study where they tested it against a placebo. And what they essentially did was they took a bunch of people and for, I think about 10 days, I forget the number of days, but they did test both of them similarly. You know, some were given a cornstarch pill, so they didn't know because that's the point of a placebo. And some were given ashwagandha. They actually listed the regimen was like 400 and something milligrams twice a day. And what they found was while both sections, like some parts of their ability to fall asleep faster improved, Um, you know, because really with sleep, unfortunately, if you change anything about it, sometimes it can cause changes, Mm -hmm. but the test group that actually did the ashwagandha, like they had a significantly higher like quality of sleep improvement as well as time to fall asleep. Um, So this got me incredibly interested in taking this because sleep disturbance is still something that I have a big issue with. I know a lot of people really seem to struggle with it in general. So if you're looking for something to help you with sleep, you might want to look into that. And something that I found incredibly cool about it was an article I found through the Cleveland Clinic from just May of this year where it stated that research has shown that ashwagandha can help normalize cortisol levels, thus reducing the stress response. In addition, ashwagandha has also been associated with reduced inflammation, reduced cancer risk, improved memory, improved immune function, and anti-aging properties. So if any of you guys are interested in using something like that, I'm gonna test it out. Feel free to talk to me in the group. If you want to, if you decide to test it out too, And, um, yeah, let's see how that works. And then also just to tease out there that I am going to be attending an online seminar, um, that talks about the effects of the plant-based diet on mental health. So I might be nerding out about mental health, uh, next week as well. So if you look forward to things like that, you'll have that to look forward to
1: nice speaking of look looking forward to stuff we have three big anniversaries coming up for the show um, first of all within a couple of weeks time here we are closing in quickly on episode 200
0: just in time for my birthday
1: yes imagine that imagine
0: <laughs> <laughs> total chance I didn't even remember it was my birthday next week mm-hmm. until like just now so I'll slow that down a little bit on that excitement like Google's been trying to remind me <laughs> it's my birthday for a week and I'm like don't pretend like I do anything on my birthday, Google. Not oh,
1: away, not Google assistant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the older you get, it's like, please stop. And me, it's like, anyway. But um, yeah, the, that's one anniversary. The second one is coming up on August 23rd. That is Friends Talking Nerdies, four year anniversary. Woohoo! Last but not least, next month will be the one year full time anniversary of a certain member of the clergy. It is. Yes. Yeah. You uh, oh, started yeah. September of last year. So.
0: That's right. I guessed it the once, and then we decided to uh, try to make this work during the craziness that is a <laughs> pandemic. And so far, it has it's worked through a pandemic as well as me moving across the country. So, see, I forget my birthday. I also forget other <laughs> anniversaries. So, if I've ever forgotten about you as a friend, just please understand. I apparently don't care about myself either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well we are uh def- i'm definitely excited about those anniversaries coming up and we're definitely gonna find ways to celebrate them on the show here um as well as you know doing all the other usual wacky stuff that we do so with that every wednesday and saturday in this podcast space we have we will have something entertaining for your ear hole thank you all for listening we bet you adieu goodbye Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon.
0: Goodbye, darling.